Welcome to Destination Leadership, the podcast for people interested in diving into the worlds of inspiring leaders to learn from them. I'm your host, Katrin Grunwald, founder of The Globe Team, organizational development consultant, and coach for first-time leaders. For this first episode of 2021, Happy New Year, I have invited a very special guest, my dad. My dad has been leading teams for around 20 years at DEG, a German development bank. And as a child, I perceived my dad to be working long hours, spending time with his team members rather than with his kids, and once a year inviting his team to our home for a barbecue in the summer. But never have my dad and I really sat down to discuss about his leadership experience. And during this Christmas vacation, I wanted to change that and invited him on to the podcast. In our conversation, you can hear about my dad's rocky start as a first-time leader, how he saw his role as leader also in being a sparing partner, and how it was important for him to have the people in his team feel that he always had their back in difficult situations. So without further ado, enjoy the conversation. Welcome and hello to Rolf Grunwald or Hallo Papa. Good morning, Katrin. <laughs> um, welcome to the podcast and with all the guests, I asked them to introduce themselves. So please also go ahead and, and share about you with the listeners. Yeah, so I'm now retired for some years um, and I'm 66 years old. Um, I started in the company where I worked for more than 38 years when I was just 23 years old. I just came from the university and I started as a young professional. And then I worked for more or less 18 years as a professional in very different departments. And then I was uh, promoted um, to become a middle management leader. And this job I um, had for roughly 20 years in various departments and various positions. And probably we are talking about my experience during this time. Yes, that's right. Um, just for your information, the company I worked for all these years was DEG, German Development Company. And um, our job was to provide um, long-term financing to private companies in developing countries. So all our customers were in Asia, Africa or Latin America. So this was my, so we were an international team and our customers were international. So that was my job, just as a brief explanation. And we would look, it was a brief explanation, but we will look at those 20 years of leadership experience now together. And um, let's start chronologically with your very first team. How old were you? What was the situation when you started leading people? Um, situation was as follows. I was an experienced project manager, but without any responsibility for a team. So I just worked as a specialist in due diligence, etc. a banking position uh, to provide long-term financing, loans or equity to customers abroad. 
And then from one day to the other, I became the head of a team of roughly probably eight persons. The problem was, and that was one of the, let's say, of my uh, takeaways, um, that I had no introduction. I was just on the first day, I started doing my job as good as I could, but I, there was no training, there was no introduction. And that was probably the first year was probably a very challenging and very difficult year for me because many problems were completely new for me. Not the professional issues, but the issues how to be a leader in a team. So that really there was a lack of preparation, I would say today. In that days in my company that was not just not developed. Today, of course, the preparation for leaders is much better but that was definitely something which was not very well prepared by my company in that days. Yeah, yeah and this is exactly the point where um, coaching for first-time leaders is really useful or what was it that would have helped you then at the beginning? Yeah, the, definitely that would uh, that was missing from the view as I have today, especially from your job, etc. Um, I know that was missing in that days and probably I have taken maybe some wrong decisions in that days when I started because I just was not probably prepared for that job. Mm -hmm. But while you started growing as a leader and um, started leading bigger teams and also then later international teams across different countries, how would you say that over the years your own leadership behavior has changed? What was important for you when interacting with your team? Um, there was a very challenging time when I was the head of the um, Asia department and completely new for my company was that I was located abroad and not in Germany in our head office. I was located in Bangkok and my team consisted of different offices in New Delhi, in Beijing, in Jakarta and in Bangkok and that was definitely a big team. It was more than 25 people all together. And the challenging was how to be the, the head of a department, how to be the leader of a team which was spread over different locations. Um, for me it was very important and I later did it also when I was head of other departments in Germany without any um, physical distance that I had every week at a certain time Uh, on one day it was fixed in everybody's timetables. Wednesday, nine o'clock Bangkok time, there was a conference call between all offices in Asia. That was a very fixed um, given time. Um, and we could and all the others could talk among each other and talk to me and discuss issues how to approach customers, general problems and also I of course conveyed new information from the headquarters in Cologne to my colleagues in the different departments. That was something um, I have learned especially in these days in Bangkok where leading a team was much more challenging, more difficult um, than being in one office at the headquarters, but I, at least I lay, uh, later I did always the same, have once per week at a fixed time a team meeting. Sometimes it just take, took 10 minutes when there were no open issues, sometimes it took two hours when there were big problems and 
it was an atmosphere where uh, we always could openly discuss critical issues of our work, of the company, etc. How did you create this open space so that people felt comfortable to also bring in critical topics, ask, you know, it must be a safe space, I imagine, so that they ask, what should we do with this customer or how was the situation? What did you contribute to that? Um, I think at least the way I saw it and I, I hope and I think all my team members would judge the same. It was a closed room, no information from this room should leave the room. So it therefore I created, we created an open discussion atmosphere and I never took these points to my superiors, to the company. Um, of course, sometimes I took some ideas outside the room, but without mentioning names, etc., who has proposed a, um, improvement or who has criticized the company. So it was a knowledge for me to discuss with my superiors, but always without any linkage to different people. So I think that gave the opportunity to everybody to express their views also in critical ways. Yeah, because I think it's really important for leaders nowadays. Well, when things go well, it's great. But when things don't go so well, um, there's this term psychological safety so that people feel they have the room to uh, share also things that might be seen critical by others, but that it becomes absolutely normal to put things on the table and discuss. Exactly. So at least my experience was it was open. It Everybody could speak and I think everybody criticized where it was necessary. Mm -hmm. And I took just the essence of these discussions to my work, uh, proposing things to superiors, to the company when it was valid. And when it was not valid, in my view, I didn't, do, I didn't mention it to other people outside the room. What else would you say is important uh, for you with the way you interact with your team members? Things that might have changed also over time. I think over the years I developed a certain philosophy how to lead a team. Um, I always considered myself as a member of a team and not just the head of a department. Um, important was um, that I was always available, available for all my team members. So for me it was important when there was a new job, a new project, we had a kickoff meeting with a project manager to discuss what are what could be the challenging issues, what could be the critical issues in a, in a project. Then the project manager um, did his work. When he came back from a due diligence uh, mission, we sit together again to discuss what was the outcome. Should we proceed? How should we proceed? And then I left the project manager again alone to do his job, writing his report, discussing um, issues internally. Uh, but always when there were challenging cornerstones in the project, like the due diligence list or like a term sheet to draft contracts, I discussed it with the project manager for two reasons. One was just to have the view of two at least two people which just creates more ideas creates more creativity and second i had much more experience than the in the most cases younger project managers so 
I had many years in the company and I have seen more than 100 cases. So my experience probably was broader. The knowledge from the project manager was much more deeper in details in the individual project. But with these two views, we could probably create a better environment to find for our company and for the project a better solution. Um, but always on the other side, I tried to give enough freedom to the project manager that he could develop himself and that he was not felt like that I would control him. So I always felt as a sparings partner for the project manager, managers. Um, and I think that was also very well received by my colleagues from the team. Um, another important point was to support the project managers internally. When they had to present a project to the credit department or finally the, for the final decision in the investment committee or to the top management, I always supported them. They knew the details, but when it became critical, I supported their views, um, which gave them a good backing in, in front of superiors in the company. Mm -hmm. When you look back, I'm sure there have been challenges as well in those 20 years of leading a team. Where would you say was your biggest challenge or a specific example? Um, one example is where probably I made a real mistake when I was leading a team. There were, I, I took over a new department um, when I came back from Asia, from Bangkok, and I felt after very few days there were two issues. One was the organization in the department was completely wrong because everybody had the feeling that others were preferred from the older um, head of department. The former one. From the former uh, head of department. Um, so we gathered together after one week um, and we discussed it openly. And together we found a solution how to organize the work internally much better. That was a very challenging situation, but it was solved quite, rel uh, uh, quite fast after the one week and we had reorganized the department. And then from that day on, it worked very fine. Another challenge was in that department, when I took over, I felt that two persons had, couldn't work together very well. I had that feeling, but it was not a super critical situation. Um, but I didn't intervene. Right away. You right away. I just saw it. I observed it. But it was for me not so critical to do anything. And after some weeks, there was a extremely um, open confrontation between these two people. Um, I was forced to intervene. But it was definitely too late. Mm -hmm. um, that was a situation which later, I, for me, um, the, the, the lessons learned was when there is a problem between two team members or between one team member in your group and somebody else outside, it's better to sit together right away instead of leaving this um, discussion below a certain level of consideration which is going on. So it's much better to put the things on the table and to discuss it openly and to find a solution 
right away instead of just postponing the problem. Mm -hmm. That's something I see in many coachings nowadays also with the remote work or the virtual world um, because when you kind of sense there's a problem and by ignoring it and people don't even see each other uh, you know, physically in an office, um, it can create an even bigger problem. So the suggestion of right away creating a space for people to put things on the table early on before it escalates is definitely something useful in the analog and the virtual world. Exactly. So I would say uh, that's true. In the virtual world, probably the risk is even higher because yeah. you can't see the, the people acting yeah. really all the day. You just see them when they're on the screen for half yeah. an hour. Um, but so therefore today leaders, especially in the with more virtual world, have to be more critical in that respect. And put things open openly just between two people or three people, whoever is involved, and not the whole team, of course, but just the people who are involved. Discuss it openly and just to try to find out why there is a problem. And say maybe it can be solved very easily. Um, and maybe in that case, which I have just described, probably there was a, a possibility to solve it right away in a very easy way, but later on, The situation was so critical that the only way was that one of the two persons left the department um, and that was maybe um, a big loss for that deal. Maybe I have not put enough time to this because there was always pressure from the day-to-day -day business and these meetings when you have a team of 10, 12, 14, 15 people and it was always at the beginning of the year. Of course it took a lot, a lot of time but because there was day-to-day -day business maybe I didn't took enough time to that. Mm -hmm. um, the second one was uh, we had these weekly team meetings but that of course only uh, in these meetings we only discussed company issues, organizational issues etc. and not personal issues because everybody was present. That was correct. What I could have done more frequently was to have with the whole team a more critical meeting, maybe two, three hours, between for, uh, to discuss leadership issues. Or team issues. Team, team issues. Hi, how I or team members act together with the others. Mm -hmm. So um, away from the day-to-day -day issues, away from pure organizational issues, more to leadership um, issues. Um, and we have done it maybe once per year. Um, sometimes with the help and the support of a coach, but probably it was not every year, it was probably maybe every second or third year. Today I would probably do this type of um, leadership discussion in the team maybe two times per year mm -hmm. and then um, potential conflicts would be discovered much earlier and it could be found, uh, it could be much easier to found a solution um, to solve these issues. Yeah. So these were maybe from my view as of today would I, I would have changed um, when I would still be in the situation to be a leader in a team. Yeah. That's what I call take time for team time. So to exactly. have this team time when yeah. it's not about operational topics, a business, day-to-day -day critical, but it's rather okay we'll put all of that aside and we'll take an afternoon or we'll take Uh, we go out twice a year for a whole day to really look at what's important for us as a team. How can we work and perform better together? 
Another point, what I think I did quite well, was already right from the beginning, when we had achieved in the team a special goal, maybe a contract was signed, that for us was turnover, that was success of our business when we signed loan contracts or when we bought an equity stake somewhere. Um, always then I, from my private pocket, invited all team members for a small, for a cake or a drink. At least it was a stop of the work for maybe half an hour, one hour, to give to the person who achieved the, um, the success for the team um, a certain kind of honor and privilege and at least that everybody saw or oh, this person has achieved a goal and I gave some room to that and not just working, 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 but that everybody saw, okay, that's just a certain kind of very small yeah. moment of honoring uh, success. Yeah, celebrating successes. Yes, exactly. Something else I remember you did when I was a child, but I know you did that later on as well, and also when you were in, in Bangkok, was to invite your team to our home. So there would be like a barbecue in the summer when all of your team members would come and would be sitting in our garden. What was your idea behind that or why was it so important for you to also share that with your team? Uh, that's true. I, I think I did it every year, yeah. um, once per year. Um, and um, I did it because, um, please consider that we are working together every day, most of our time or 50% of our lifetime, uh, we are in the office, we are working and not at home. And everybody has his private life, of course, and from time to time we also spoke about our private lives. But then I think it was nice to see for my colleagues how I am living, how is my family, how are my children, how is my wife, how is my living situation, and just to celebrate um, not a specific success in a project, but to celebrate to a certain extent the motivation and the atmosphere in our team. And I had always a feeling it is a positive thing to show a little bit mm -hmm. um, how I'm living. As a human being and not just a as leader. As a human being, as not a, as a leader. And still today, I'm now retired for five years. Um, I'm from time to time, I have still contacts to my ex-colleagues working now in different positions in my old company. And But they always tell me, ah, I can remember how you have invited us um, in Bangkok or how you have invited us in our home in Cologne. Um, um, so people are still remembering these gatherings in our small yeah. garden. Yeah, the so it, it probably it had a, a high value for these people. I know that some of my ex-colleagues um, didn't do it. They didn't invite um, the colleagues. It's just a gesture of honor their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and share something about you as a private exactly, person. Exactly, yeah, and, and th that's true. And sharing also a little bit of my private life which was always there, but of course in the office you can't speak about it very often. Yeah, well, it depends what kind of spaces are created also in teams. So. Yeah, but of course there was always time pressure because we were always under certain pressure to achieve our goals and there was not a lot of time available to discuss these things. But at least in the, in the team meetings, maybe, but definitely once per year when we had a gathering in our garden or wherever it was, um, it gave a little bit insight to my colleagues in my private life. 
coming already nearly uh, to the end of the podcast, unless there's anything else you want to share, because I know you have prepared <laughs> for the podcast. Anything else from your experience you want to share? Um, I think I have mentioned more or less all my, so let's call it principles, how to be a better leader. Or how you did it. How I did it. It's not a, a general principle, but the, the, that's the way I did it. And finally, I think I was quite successful because I still have a, a, a good relationship to some of my ex-colleagues. Yeah. Um, They're team members. I mean, they come still now that you're retired, they come and visit and all of that. Even that, sometimes they are coming to visit me. Sometimes we are meeting. I meet some of them somewhere uh, when there's no corona, corona times in a restaurant for having a lunch or from time to time we are telephoning and still the people are talking relatively happily about the situation in our different teams. So that shows me that probably I have not done it too bad. <laughs> and you even had team members who became coaches of mine. So I also think that okay. if they had <laughs> experienced your leadership, they wouldn't have come to me for a leadership coaching. Um, coming to the last question, which I ask all guests in the podcast, it's an imaginary one. And imagine for one day you have the, the magical power to make sure that leaders across the world show specific leadership behavior with their teams. What kind of leadership behavior would you like others to live with their teams? I think it's important to consider yourself still as a member of a team um, and not just as a superior. Support them, give them support from your experience, but on the other side, give them backing when your team members are in a critical situation. This in an overall nutshell, I think these are the most important things um, what in my view makes a better leader uh, Thank you very much for taking the time, uh, for being open to this experiment of having a podcast with your daughter. And <laughs> all the best for your retirement, Papa. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. This was Destination Leadership, the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you? Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn, all under my name, Katrin Grunwald. Also, if you have any feedbacks on the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership. Destination Leadership.